Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the June 14th episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have things that might make you a little saner. If Ooh, we're going to inject some sanity into our podcast. That's different. It is different. <laughs> We also have a great castle segment coming up, so definitely stay tuned for that. I suppose, though, we should begin with an admin announcement. If you're wondering about June's class, we are still in the process of finalizing that for you. So there will be a free event in June. It's just a matter of figuring out exactly how that's going to work and what we're going to do. And we don't have it finalized quite enough to tell you yet. So if you are a podcast listener and you want to make sure you register for it, please stay tuned and try and listen as soon as the next episode appears on the 28th, because the class will be the 30th. So it's usually the last Thursday of the month. This is no exception. And because the month ends on a Thursday, that's when it will be this time. And we will let y'all know bright and early in that podcast episode what we're going to be doing for our free class. If you are an events subscriber, however, via the mailing list, we'll be able to let you know much sooner. Please just stay tuned and we will get you that information ASAP. And another quick reminder is that this podcast, like the past few, have been broken up into chapters. So if you guys are liking the chapters, that's great. And Again, this one will also be broken up into chapters, which allows you to navigate through the podcast and listen to topics that you are most interested in. Now, I have had questions about chapters, and they do not work on the Victor Reader stream. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. That device does not support chapters, so you're just listening to the podcast as you always were. Yep, you could go in 30-second increments, minute increments, five-minute increments, whatever you have set via your stream's configuration settings, via the menus, but there is no ability to move from chapter to chapter. One final announcement that we should share with you guys is if you attended our May event on the Hable, remember that you can get a deeper dive into the Hable, which is a really cool controller for your iOS or Android devices via a little product we have coming out towards the end of the month. It will be released on July 1st. So you have a few more weeks to take advantage of that and go ahead and pay your price for the full information. So if you listened to our download, and I will place a link to that in the show notes, or you can go to mysticaccessdownloads.com and you should be able to find it quite easily. We did our May class on the Hable and we're extending that information to show you lots more about it in our upcoming product release for July 1st. So if you want to learn more, you have the ability to do so. This is a really cool little device, and we know many of you have enjoyed learning about it. We got really great feedback from our May class, so we're grateful that you enjoyed learning more. We really love sharing about it, and we're interested in sharing even more. So I will link to the product pre-order in the show notes as well. So Kim. Yes. What do you think of email? It's convoluted. It's messy. My inbox is crazy. And well, it was crazy, but it's not anymore. Email can be just one of those overwhelming subjects that will just drive you to the edge of your seat continuously because you just don't want to deal with it. Your inboxes or your other folders have gotten so messy 
So it can be a topic that will drive you to distraction. What if I told you I found a solution to this problem or possibly a solution to this problem that might bring your inbox down to what's known as inbox zero. Although I don't know if mine will ever be inbox. I'm not sure mine will ever be at inbox zero, but you know, never again. Anyway, back in the day, I used to be able to clean it out twice a day and have it be at inbox zero. That would be nice to see again, but I don't know if we'll ever get there, but just to have some sanity in my inbox. It has been toned down pretty considerably thanks to this cool little tool. And ironically enough, this was something I used to use years ago, but I never took advantage of all that it could do. And I don't know if there used to be a free version. No, there was never a free version. There was a two-week trial. Maybe that's what. Maybe I did the two-week trial one time years ago and learned more about it. Now, here's something before we tell you what this little tool is. There are a couple things you need to know. In most cases, folders that aren't your inbox don't count against your mail limit, which is really great because you do have probably a certain amount of mail you can't go over in your mail programs. Even if you have Gmail with all your gigs and gigs of space that you may have, you probably still have a limit in there somewhere. I know you do with Outlook and Hotmail and things like that because I pay 20 bucks a year to go way past that limit for Hotmail. Maybe I won't have to do that anymore. We'll just have to see. The other thing to note is if you're not comfortable with folder structures and moving around in your folders, your sent messages, your trash, etc., then you would have to get more comfortable with that either in your mail provider's website or in your mail client before this process is going to be worthwhile to you, I think. Would you agree with that? I would. And what it is, it's a product called SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X. And what you could think of it is filters for your email on steroids because it's not as simple as creating a rule in your Outlook or your Thunderbird or your mail client to move an email into a specific folder. Basically, what you do is you connect your email up to this service. The service uses artificial intelligence to sort through your emails and put them in places that it thinks are relevant. For example, by default, you have a sane later folder and you have a sane news folder. So anything that comes in, if it's not important or what they think is important, goes into either sane later, which you could deal with at another time, or sane news. But you can create other folders that they monitor. And one thing that I've done is because our website sends us a lot of emails to let us know that, you know, things are happening on the website or whatever. And I've created a special folder for all of those little announcement emails and they don't show up in my inbox. But if I receive a two-factor authentication code from the website, that comes into my inbox. So again, it's not just saying, okay, place all of emails from info at mysticaccess.com into that other folder. It's a little bit smarter than that. So again, if I get a two-factor for the website, it comes into the inbox. It's actually smart enough to know that that's more important than an email that tells me that plugins have been updated. You know, you can deal with that kind of stuff later. To train an email to go into saying later, saying whatever, you can just move that email from your inbox into your other folder. So if it mistakes an email or vice versa, 
if it puts an email in there that you want back in your inbox, you just move it out of your saying later folder, for example, and put it into your inbox. They also have it so that, you know how, even if you have folders that you kind of read sometimes, but you don't read sometimes, like I'm on a few mailing lists and there's been, let's say a year and a half's worth of email in those folders. Well, you can have SaneBox automatically trim those emails. So for example, if I'm on one of these mailing lists and these messages are more than a month old, I can have it automatically delete them. Because if I haven't read a message in that folder for any specific time, I personally don't care about it. And you could make that change on any of these sane folders that you want to set up. They have a black hole folder. So let's say that Kim emails me and I never want to hear from Kim again. So Kim emails me, I get her email in my inbox and I just say, okay, she's annoying. I don't want to hear from her again. You just <laughs> quietly move it into the sane black hole folder and you never have to hear from her again. What have you been using yours for? So far, the ones I've been using, I don't have a lot of the custom ones that you've made, but so far, I really like Sane CC, which is really cool. So if you get a message and someone CC'd someone else on that message, you'll find those in your Sane CC folder. They have to CC you on that message, though. It's you that's the CC, not just anybody. Let's say, for example, if somebody sends you a message, so it's to Kim Nova, mm -hmm. and they CC me, and they CC two other people, in my same box, that message is going to go into my CC folder, but that message will not go into your CC folder. Because you were the one who was CC. Correct. So I like those. So if I can't find something that I know other people were CC'd on, I can go and look in my same CC. And there it is. Sane News is cool because it's generally all the stuff from mailing lists. <laughs> so you can go in and you can pare stuff down pretty quickly and easily. And then there's this saying no reply or no replies. I don't know which it is folder. If you're waiting to hear from somebody and you're thinking, did I actually hear from that person? Then you can go into saying no replies and that'll tell you whether or not they're in there. Because if that message is in there, then they haven't, their last message that you're waiting to hear from them on is still in there. Then you haven't heard from them yet. They haven't responded to you. Right. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. And the nice thing about it is once these things are set up, because it's server-based, if you will, mm -hmm. it's doing everything it's supposed to do on whatever device you're checking your email on. So if you are using mail on your iPhone and you're using, let's say, Outlook on your Android device and Thunderbird on your Windows device, it doesn't matter once everything works the same regardless of whatever you're doing. So if I'm on my iPhone and I get an email that I want moved back into my inbox or moved into another box, I will just move it into that folder on the iPhone and moving forward, it will take care of that for me. So show us how it works. How would somebody set this up if they wanted to? They would go to sanebox.com and you want to look at the pricing because it is not a free service. Nope. I mean, you are utilizing their intelligence. You're utilizing their servers, if you will. And so it is not free and each feature can cost. So Sane News is a feature, Sane Later is a feature, Sane CC is a feature, Sane No Replies is a feature, just to make sure that we are 100% clear on that. 
Now, they also have custom folders that you can create your own folders. Like I've got a couple lists set up for beta stuff or a couple folders set up rather for beta stuff. And that would be considered a feature. If you add another one, then that is another feature. So just make sure you have the number of features that you are paying for. You can add extra features during your time with them, and they will then give you a two-week trial to play with that feature to see if that feature is good enough for you. You can deactivate a feature. Let's say, for example, you pay for five features, and you add a custom folder, and now you've reached that fifth limit. You want to add another custom folder. So maybe that custom folder is more important to you than saying CC. You can turn off saying CC, and then you don't have to worry about going over any of your paid features. But if you want to, then you can contact support and find out you know, what they can do for you. Is there a set list of features automatically that people can learn about via the SaneBox.com website, like SaneCC and SaneLater and things like that, that they can learn? This is something that I've used over the years, time and time again. I've used it and I've turned it off, but I think we're keeping it this time because we both realize the benefit of what it's doing for our email. And the funny thing is, is every week you get an email telling you how much time you saved by having them sort your emails for you so that's kind of cool yeah i'm just going there now to sandbox.com i just want to see if there's a page that'll tell you guys more oh there's a tour page so that could potentially be helpful there's also a help page so you can learn more about the services if you're on the home page and you want to know more then go to the tour the tour seems to be where all the features are available so you can really see what's going on with the tour. I'm going to take a few minutes or a minute or so just to show you a little bit of what the dashboard is and how you turn on and off a feature. Same box vertical bar dashboard and eight more pages dash personal dash Microsoft Edge. Navigation region. I'm going to search, do a screen find for my email address because we are sharing this account. So we have multiple email addresses on this account. JAWS find. Same box vertical bar dash important email and new, visited Chris at mysticaccess.com. That's me. Important email and new contacts stay in this inbox. Left paren change right paren. Digest one. Ready at 2 p.m. today. That's when my digest comes in at That's 2 cool. p.m. today, which is kind of fun. It tells you to make sure that the emails that you have trained or that it has automatically trained just to verify and make sure that there were no mistakes. Visited do not disturb. Visited schedule try. Visited reminders. Visited view try. Trainings and filters. View. Visited folders. So here's folders. I'm going to go into folders. Loading page. Loading complete. Loading page. Same box verdict. Still Apparently loading. I was in folders in a different tab. Folders. Using 17 slash. Unlimited graphic. So that tells you how many features I have enabled in my account here it's kind of whack so i have 17 features out of unlimited features trainable power snooze and more trainable folders moving email between these folders creates a training filter email into these folders by subject or domain list of five items inbox button help important emails and new contacts stay in this inbox so that's your actual inbox inbox attachments uploaded to your cloud Visited change. That's also cool. 
you can turn on attachments and attachments can either be stripped out of your email and be uploaded to something like Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive, or you can have it just upload those and keep the attachments in your email. So if you want a backup of all of your attachments, you can do that as well. Toggle plus same later button. So there's toggle. It's a button. And I could turn this on or off. Plus same later. Button unlabeled one. Emails that can wait until later. Same attachments disabled for plus same later. Of course, I turned off the attachments because I don't want attachments that go into same later. I don't want every single attachment move to my cloud service. Settings for plus same later. And there's settings. You can go in and change settings. Do you want it to archive them? Do you want them to move them to trash? Do you want them to leave them alone? That kind of thing. Plus same later is enabled button. You can also forward off emails. So let's say that you have a folder for receipts and they have tracking information. You have a service that you forward off your receipts so that it adds it to your package tracker. You can have it automatically do that, which is really kind of nice. Toggle plus same news button. Plus same news button unlabeled one. Newsletters and mailing lists. Enable sane attachments. Settings for plus sane news. Plus sane news is enabled button. And it tells you that the item is enabled. Toggle plus sane plus sane CC button unlabeled one. Your CC at emails. Attachments uploaded to your cloud. Sane attachments enabled for plus sane CC. And I could turn that off if I want to. Plus sane CC is enabled button. Black hole. Blank. Toggle plus sane black hole button. Plus sane black hole. Button unlabeled one. Put an email here and future ones will be stored here for up to seven days before being trashed. Emails moved to sane black hole are marked as red checkbox checked. Emails moved to sane black hole are marked as red. Plus sane black hole is enabled button. List end. List of 10 items. Toggle plus sane braille note beta button. So obviously there are folders here that I have created myself. And I chose to put sane in front of it so that I knew it was a sane folder and not some other folder that I may have created myself. Plus, but let me go to unlabeled one button, JAWS find dialog, custom, sane box, attachments, a custom training folder, attachments, sane attachments enabled for plus sane braille note beta. So that's telling me that that is a custom folder. At, talk, plus sane blind ads, plus sane human, plus sane hymns public, plus sane, plus sane blind tech. And I'm going by heading. So it can go between each folder as a different heading. DIY custom folders. So here's what I want. Here's a do-it-yourself custom folder. Button unlabeled one. Do-it-yourself dot 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 make the perfect folders for receipts, bills, family, work. Create button. So I'm going to hit create. Same box vertical bar folders and seven more. Create a DIY folder. Move any inbox emails into this folder to train all future emails from those contacts to be delivered here. DIY folder name colon. Plus sane dot dot dot. Required invalid entry edit. Plus sane dot dot. So I just pressed enter to go into this edit box. Now I'm going to type in. Plus sane dot 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 edit required plus sane tech talk. No radio button checked. Virtual. Now here are the settings for the folder. Yes radio. Forward emails to approve third party services. Yes radio button. No radio but clean up older email. Automatically move older emails to a folder of your choice. Yes, radio button not checked. I'm going to change that to yes. Three. Yes, radio button checked. Now I'm going to go down. No radio. Move email to colon. Combo box collapsed archive. Combo box. It's a combo box. I'm just going to down arrow. Trash. Archive. Trash. So I can either archive it or trash it. I'm going to select trash. 
Combo box required. One month. One month. I'm going to change this to... Two months. Two months. Looking for snooze folders. Virtual P. Collapsed required combo. Looking for... Cancel. Continue dot 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 button. And I'm hitting Same box vertical bar folders. So now it has just added that folder to my email account. And it's going to monitor that folder when I get incoming email for incoming email that I think should go into that folder. Obviously, there's nothing yet because I haven't moved anything. So again, when I'm in Outlook or Thunderbird or whatever, I just move an email to this specific folder and everybody's happy, including me. So if you're interested in SaneBox and would like to sign up, we have a referral link for you. And that is mysticaccess.com slash SaneBox. M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com slash Sane, S-A-N-E-B-O-X. And that will let you sign up and let them know that you heard about it from us. But we both think it's a really time saver, at least as far as us. And a couple of things to keep in mind. When you sign up for SaneBox, you're creating an account and you are giving them access to your email. So if this is something that you're not interested in, then that's fine too. So you're giving them access to your email. You can do it through Gmail. You can do it through Outlook, Yahoo, any of the ones that use OAuth. You can also do it through IMAP. So if you have your IMAP settings, like let's say Comcast or whatever, you can do that as well. But you are giving them your email password. One way around that would be if your email provider supports it, application-specific passwords. So you could make an email password for SaneBox that you only use for SaneBox. So if you feel you don't want to use it anymore or you're a little nervous about it, then you can just kill that password and SaneBox no longer has access to your email. You can also delete your SaneBox account should you wish. But again, it has access to your email. There are no humans that are reading your email. They'd be pretty bored. So it's basically the robots that are reading your email or reading the headers. Because I had saw somewhere that they really don't even read the message body or have access to the message body. They just read the from the to the subject and that kind of thing. So now that hopefully your inbox is a little bit saner and cleaner, we're going to go into the Mystic Axis Magic Castle, where there's a discussion between me and the folks at WeWalk. We have Joe and John Mark, who are with WeWalk, and I wasn't able to attend this castle segment to my sadness, but what this ultimately turns into is not so much a discussion of the WeWalk features, although there is some of that there, but a discussion of independence and what makes us independent in the moment? What makes us confident? What makes us have the ability to get out there and do what we need to do? And what keeps us from that? What stops us from doing that when we need to as blind and visually impaired individuals? So I think you're going to find this really interesting. And you may find a few grains of truth in this for yourself. I know I certainly did. Chris talks in this castle segment about how he didn't want to use a cane because he lost his sight and felt different as a result. I was totally blind from birth and didn't want to use my cane for the exact same reason. So his reasoning might apply to your reasoning as well, whether or not you've ever had physical sight. So I think you're going to find this discussion really interesting. And plus, they just have a heck of a lot of fun. So we really hope you love this castle segment. Welcome 
to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. So here I am in the Mystic Access Magic Castle, and I have two people from WeWalk here. And what we've done in the past, a couple of episodes ago, we did a discussion, Kim and I, of the WeWalk cane. And it's been something that I've been following for quite some time, saw it at CSUN, and decided to give it a chance. And I want to welcome the WeWalk team, and you guys can introduce yourselves. Perfect. Thank you so much for having us, Chris and Kim. My name is Joe. I am the community manager for WeWalk. So my main responsibility is delivering training sessions for our WeWalk community, as well as listening to their feedback. Because one of the things that we always like to say at WeWalk is we're continuing to improve our products and services with the help of our community. So if anyone shares any type of feedback as they're learning to use their WeWalk smart cane, I want to make sure that's being passed along to our product and technical teams, as well as making sure that our users can adapt to our technology. And that's why we offer our free training sessions to all of our WeWalk Smart Cane users. With that being said, I'll pass it off over to John Mark so that he can introduce himself as well. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to be here. And thanks for having us on the podcast, Chris. Kind of shame that Kim couldn't be here, but at least I can confirm that the castle is indeed quite magical. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm Sean Mark, and we walk set of research and development. I make sure that our product meets the requirements of our visually impaired community. And it's a learning process. I mean, being visually impaired myself, I realize that our, you know, our individual impairments are actually very, very different from a physiological and psychological perspective. And then taking all these insights, again, powered by the great work that Joe does and putting it into a product, definitely easier said than done, I will say, but it's a great, challenging role. And to, uh, you know, along with that lived experience, I try to at least academically validate some of those inputs through being a PhD researcher at Imperial College London as well in visually impaired mobility, actually. So there you go. Working in visually impaired mobility and visually impaired myself. Let's count how many times we're going to say visual impairment throughout this episode. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I will say, however, this extends to the rest of the WeWalk team. I know it's just both of us here today, but I wish also in these podcasts sometimes that we could just meet the entire team because they are quite incredible. You know, a wealth of, again, visual impaired, well, visually impaired lived experiences, as well as being sort of very rigorous and academic. So very proud to be representing the team today along with Joe today. And Kim and I are actually the only two in our company. So anybody that listens to our podcasts, they get to hear us both. But it's really kind of funny because sometimes people don't realize that we are the only two in this company. So they think you have this whole army of people working for you and you really don't. So that's kind of interesting. But my first question for you guys is why we walk? Why is Smart Kane? What was the reason behind that? That's a really, really good question. And actually, one that also goes back to simple design. So we realized that the cane really is a ubiquitous tool, right? Like I'm a cane user, members of our team are cane users. You know, it's a wonderful device to start from as a platform. And it's incredible at what it does. I mean, in terms of ground level obstacle detection and also being a symbol of visual impairment, it ticks all the boxes. But what we've realized is there's so much more that we could do with the cane in terms of providing better safety and usability without necessarily compromising on what the cane does. And actually, before even diving into what WeWalk does, I always like to give this analogy, you know, when it comes to designing assistive tech and and what we do, which is imagine riding a bus, right? Like the bus has 
a purpose. It's to get you from point A to B. The bus is not meant to be flashy. Yes, it'll be nice if it's got additional features. You will notice if the bus fails, but if the bus is doing a really good job, you'd never even think about it. And that's really sort of the design logic behind WeWalk, which is the cane is a great tool. We don't want to compromise how people use the cane and use their standard orientation and mobility techniques, which are fundamental, you know, pivotal to how people mobilize. But we just want to give them extra tools, you know, things that can provide extra safety, like WeWalk's obstacle detection, or help them find the right walking navigation or exploration, get on the right bus, use the right train, you know, without detracting from the experience of using technology, which we've been familiar with for years and years and years. And that really was the design logic behind WeWalk. How do we integrate with existing technology, keeping that, you know, that simplistic analogy like the bus to get people from point A to point B safely, effectively, and independently, but without burdening them with some over-the-top, super pricey, super complex piece of technology that doesn't integrate with a tool that you're going to be using on a day-to-day basis anyway. I think when I was younger, I lost my sight around 10 years old. And I was one of these people who did not want to use a cane, hated it because of what it represented. You know, it represented the fact that I was different. And one of the things that they tried to get me to do in school was to use it. They bribed me with something, and we're talking back in the early 80s, something called a laser cane, which kind of had that obstacle detection. And this was in its time, a very, very, very expensive cane. And of course, I turned it down because the vanity, I suppose, outweighed the fact that I got a really cool gizmo to play with. And especially in the time that I was doing it, it probably would have been broken in a month. (laughs) So it was probably a good idea not to have the cane. But one of the things that really attracted me to, there's two things that really attracted me to the WeWalk. The one is the obstacle detection. That is a very, very cool feature. And the other for me was the global positioning, the GPS navigation for people that don't know. And of course, I'm sure a lot of people do know, but I was part of the Sendero group, which did the GPS for the Braille notes and all that way, way, way back when. So I've been a GPS user for a number of years. And the nice thing about The cane is that it's something that you're carrying with you. You have it. So you're always going to have it. You don't have to have another device with you besides your phone in order to use it. And who these days goes without the phone anywhere? Nobody. So that was one of the things that I really liked about the cane. And the other one, too, I didn't think I would like because I didn't even really know about it, was the light. I like that idea in the dark where the cane can kind of glow as a question for those that are listening. If you're in the dark, how bright is that light? How bright, like, can somebody see it or is it just a little light that's flashing or what does the light do? So I'm assuming you're referring to the LED light that's yep. placed right on top of the ultrasonic sensor. So there's a couple of things that the LED light is good for. For low vision users, as well as O&Ms, they can use that to let them know whether or not the WeWalk is paired up with the WeWalk app. It's also very useful for low vision users if they need to find their cane in darkly lit conditions. They can leave that LED light on, and that way, if they need to find their cane, 
they'll be able to easily spot it, as well as for anyone who is visually impaired, if they're walking outside and they want to be more visible for pedestrians or any oncoming traffic, they can also leave that LED light enabled so that people will be able to see them clearer in those types of conditions. That's cool. The other thing that I specifically like about it too is the horn feature. If you're in a situation where you need to make noise and you don't want to think like that, but it does happen. So if you're in that situation, you can do a gesture on the cane and it can then make this loud horn noise, which would then draw attention to you. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. From the users I've spoken with, they mentioned that they enjoy activating that horn just because it's one of those sounds that is very distinguishable. So oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> some of them like to use it in public to be able to clear a space if they need to get somewhere very quick. Or another use case scenario for it would be if, for example, someone falls, they need to get medical attention, they can activate that horn and they can attract other people around them as well. So it can be used for emergency purposes as well. Very nice. And I like the fact too, that you're using a standard Ambutech cane that you can just change out at will. Although in the podcast where we talked about the cane, we talked a little bit about how to make that happen where you cut off the grip of your existing cane and put your screw in to the cane. And that actually works out quite good. One thing I did want to say to the listeners, I had an issue with my cane and it would wobble. So If I was to grab the WeWalk handle and I would kind of just swing it back and forth a little bit, the cane would wobble and I brought it to your guys' attention and you sent me a new screw and everything is just fine. So that's very, very amazing that I didn't have to go through the vendor where I purchased it from back and forth, back and forth. We just went to you directly and you guys took care of that. We had to get on the podcast somehow. So that's what we came, you know, that was, we wanted to get your attention. So (laughs) absolutely (laughs) tactical, tactical wobbly cane. And I've also switched out my tip. So I'm using a different tip than the one that came with it as well. While both of those things that we walk handle and the tip add a little bit of weight to it, I think they complement each other. It's really about, you touch on a point there. And it actually, I'm going to take this back to the earlier point you said about growing up with sight loss and using a cane. It's all about customization and finding what works for the user. And, you know, oftentimes, especially for people that are just coming into using a cane that have an acquired sight loss or even something hereditary that just is unfortunately declining over time, myself included, that initial case of using a cane could be quite daunting, especially given that, you know, before we had tech and all these amazing different cane colors and and cane tips that sort of came into play more recently. People were sort of, you know, given a cane and told, okay, this is what you will use from now on. And it felt almost like a bit of a cold experience. Like the cane should be your friend, right? Like the purpose of a cane is, you know, it's a wonderful tool. It's there to give you independence. It's not there to hurt you. And sort of understanding that, appreciating that, it needs to become a more personal experience than here's a stick, right? Right. And so we thought that, you know, perhaps by allowing users to customize their, you know, by giving them the flexibility to be able to use whatever tip they wanted, to have a mobile app, to have it integrate with a device which they use every day, you would get those positive associations. And, you know, the app itself, fully customizable. You know, a user can choose how often they get navigation directions, their visual preferences on screen if they're partially sighted. And that was a big one for us. You know, we wanted users to use what site they had left, what confidence they have left to make the experience work for them. And we hope that, hey, if we can provide that level of customization, then perhaps, you know, we can just increase self-efficacy. We can make people realize that, hey, 
WeWalk is my friend. It's a tool that's designed for me. It's not just, okay, here's a cane. Now you need to get on with your life, but rather here's something which was thoughtfully designed to try to help me, to make me to make me do better. And I actually have to give, again, extra credit here to Joe and the team, which is we want to make sure that, and again, WeWalk isn't a perfect product, right? Like it's something which we're learning and designing and, and working towards. But it's because of collecting the insights from our users that Joe does a great job of doing along with the rest of the team is that we learn things that make people happier. You know, we learn about features like adding a horn with a slightly playful sound, if you'd like. Having the voice assistant, having WeWalk talk to you, having it respond to you in funny ways with its voice assistant, for instance. And people like those features and it, it makes the product more personable. It makes it something which people want to use and almost to be like a family that they want to be a part of. And I guess that's what we're really striving for, that visual impairment, you know, is something to be proud of. You can do some amazing things with reduced sight and with tools, I guess, like WeWalk and with, you know, the friendliness of a tool like WeWalk as opposed to it being a cold clinical mobility aid, if you'd like. We hope to be getting closer to that, you know, to sort of making people realize that you're doing some pretty amazing things with a reduced level of sight. Right. And you're doing things too that other sighted people do as well, like use your GPS. Use it. Being able to navigate to your friend's house by yourself, especially, well, when you're talking about navigation, you, from personal experience, you have to trust it. So you have to trust that navigation when you're walking around and that takes practice. You know, you're not just going to go fly off into a strange city and drop yourself into wherever and find whatever, wherever the first time you, I remember the first time I had to do that, it was like, oh gosh, can I do that? And it turned out I could, but you're totally relying on that GPS yeah. and that cane and, and your cane skills, your orientation and mobility skills. Absolutely. And it's, it's not just trusting the device. It's almost like you have to trust yourself right. to be able to trust devices you know, like this. I mean, quite simply, I say this quite frankly, you know, if you're a visually impaired person that has still not accepted you know, or sort of taken on board the unfortunate losses of mobility, which unfortunately come along with visual impairment, like reading signs or wayfinding, before a technology like WeWalk comes in there, you have to realize that, you know, I'm going to have to find new methods and new ways of, of coping with impairment. And again, sort of calling back to an experience that I had as I lost my sight over the years, I began to realize, oh, wait a second, I can't rely on street signage anymore. I'm going to have to use that GPS system. And I actually found out that, hey, the GPS system was easier to use in street signage because I could interrogate the system whenever I wanted to. You know, I can find out what I needed without having to rely on sort of the older analog way of detecting signage. And, and once you come over that initial barrier of, oh, okay, let me find a different way of getting this information. That's when tech like WeWalk can really come in. And if we can just help our visually impaired community to sort of appreciate that, I think that won't just benefit WeWalk, but sort of any assistive tech company, any of the great options that are available you know, on the market right now, which is that these tools are designed to help you. They're designed to make you realize that you can still access, again, the same level of information as a person without a visual impairment, in a unique way, which actually might be more beneficial to you. I mean, tell me how many times you've had your voiceover on speed like 20, where it's speaking so fast and you can totally understand it. And then your friend without a visual impairment goes, how did you do that? How did you understand this? And you're like, well, actually, it's second nature. I'm used to it. I can process, you know, you get used to processing verbal information so quickly that it almost becomes a skill that you can then use to mobilize without compromise. So yeah, it's a learning process across all fronts. You know, with that speed going 20 miles an hour in voiceover, what you were just saying, the person that's not used to voiceover can always pick out the profanity. So <laughs> you only have yours at 20 miles an hour. Right. I'm like 35. 
3540. Someone post in the comments, I guess, if you, if you do <laughs> your voiceover, your highest voiceover speed. Yeah. And uh, we can have a challenge on who there can. There you go. <laughs> a championship. But, um, but, you know, you talk about some of this other stuff. When I was younger, when I first heard about a product called Atlas Speaks, which is a long, long dead product. But what it was, it was a map, talking maps. And I thought, that's kind of dumb. Who needs talking maps? And when I moved out of my home and moved to where I currently live 20 years ago, I knew nothing. I knew how to get to Rite Aid, and that's about it. So I went back to the internet, found this Atlas Speaks thing, bought it, got it home, and was able to virtually learn my neighborhood just because of having that technology. So one impression that somebody might have can totally change just because of the unique situation that they may be in at the time. Fully agree. So it's all about adapting and best using the tools available to you, be it a piece of assistive tech or your own self, actually, to just establish that. It's actually interesting. We have, there's a concept of accessibility and usability. And a lot of people use the word accessibility, like, is this accessible? Am I able to do what I want? Can I access it? But actually, the right term is usability, which is, can I use this product or whatever to complete the task that I want to do? A train station might be fully accessible, but you don't want to use that train. You want to use a bus. So is your journey usable? Well, actually, probably not. It's accessible, but not usable. And that's the thing. So what tools do I have given my current context of my situation and ability? And how can I overcome that? And I guess we hope that we walk for the right person in that right situation could be the difference between making a journey Versus not making that journey. Yeah. We have a customer who she asked me about the WeWalk because she knew I bought one. And I was talking about, you know, what it can and can't do or what I thought it could and couldn't do. And I was talking about the GPS and, you know, how GPS can be off sometimes. So basically she said to me, she goes, I'm not really interested in the GPS. I'm more interested in the cane because she lives in a retirement area. It's not a retirement home, but a retirement area. And she said, sometimes sighted people will like camp out in front of the, you know, on the sidewalk and stuff. And her main use case for the WeWalk would be the obstacle detection. She said she wants to be able to get around. And the other stuff that I was saying about the cane didn't matter to her. It was all about the obstacle detection. And even the siren was more her thing too. Yeah, it's interesting that you should mention that, Chris, because we have users that use it for various purposes, as you mentioned, where one person may want to use it for obstacle detection, where someone might want to use it for navigation. Sometimes people don't know that it can also do an exploration mode where it can actually detect points of interest around them. So there's a user that I spoke with in the US where they like to use it when they go on vacations and just know what types of cafes and restaurants are around them. So They barely use it for the navigation piece, but they just use it to explore new territories and such. So it's one of those things where we like to say that WeWalk is, we call it the Swiss Army Knives of apps, because while there are a lot of great apps out there, WeWalk tries to combine all of the best elements of these apps into one single app. So if someone wants to, for example, use the navigation feature, they don't have to go out of WeWalk in order to be able to navigate somewhere. If someone wants to be able to just explore the different points of interest around them, they can all do that from one single app. But it's a one size doesn't fit all kind of deal. There's some people that just prefer to use it specifically for the obstacle detection piece, and it's fine if that's what they want to use it for. 
but that's why we try to combine all of these features that we feel would benefit the visually impaired community into one single piece of technology so that people can choose what works best for them in certain types of environments. But like I said, too, having the cane, something that you're going to take with you. So it's not like you're going to forget your cane at home. <laughs> so even if you do forget your phone at home, you still have the, what I would probably refer to as offline features, which would be the obstacle detection and stuff like that with the WeWalk. So you're always going to have those things with you. And those can be really handy in certain situations like finding doorways and things like that when you're not sure of specific places. So that's where that comes in handy. Oh, fully. And again, there's no wrong use case or there's no sort of, oh, well, you have a WeWalk. Why aren't you constantly using the navigation? Again, it's not right. the point. It's more just what feature do you need for that particular minute in time? It could be a two, three minute use case of that feature. But if that feature stopped you from bumping into a pole or helped you catch the right bus at the right time and maybe saved you five or 10 minutes on your journey, then, you know, in our minds, we've really achieved WeWalk's key purpose here. And that's an important thing. So it's not about using all the features all the time. It's about right. knowing when you need each feature based on your current situation. But it also comes to a point where you begin to realize that, and I go back to the cane topic as to why we went for the cane, where you realize that without this tool, life is much harder. It almost becomes a tool that you appreciate when it's not with you. I mean, right. I know as a daytime symbol cane user, you know, if I particularly don't have my cane with me at that time, I'd never think about it when I do have the cane, but without it, I go, oh, oh my gosh. And that's the same thing with something like the obstacle detection, which you get used to it to the extent where you're like, all right, this is great. But then you don't have your WeWalk with you. You don't have your cane with you. I don't know, something happens where you're not in a position to have the tools available to you. And you begin to realize, wow, these tools actually genuinely made a big difference. And I wish I could have this tool just for this three, four minute section of my journey where I cannot tell where that bus stop is, or I just simply don't know when the bus is arriving. Or am I even at my stop? And that's, yeah, that really is the key here, providing the right like breadth of features in the sense that we learn about new things, such as people really want street crossings and street names, street names that we've begun to integrate. But we start to deliver all these little sort of bits and details and feature sets. And then suddenly you find out, oh my gosh, someone's now a full-time WeWalk user just because of that one small feature, which they haven't been able to find anywhere else. And now it's become something which has genuinely helped them, which I never thought would help them before. When I got married last year, I had to walk up the aisle. It sounds really silly, but the wedding coordinator was like, well, I'll take your cane from you, you know, before the ceremony or whatever. And I'm like, no, you won't. I just had it folded up, hanging from my side while I got married. And then when we walked, you know, up the aisle, I used it to just get us, you know, back up the aisle. So that was one of those things you tell me 20, my 15 year old self, if I would have done that, I would have been like, you're crazy. You know, I wouldn't have had the reason to, but for me, at least when I was younger and I wasn't using the cane, the thing that really did it for me was I had the cane, I would carry it, but I would always carry it folded up. I was one of those people who thought, well, I've got enough quote travel vision. I can get around. So one day I was in the basement where I used to work and I was following a line of people. And this one client at the time, she wanted to get past me. So without using the cane, I sidestepped right off of a loading dock. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Yeah, not right. a, Perhaps not a loading dock, but... <laughs> <laughs>
Oh man. It was well. just like, okay, well, I guess you need to really use this more. So, you know, but it was more of me coming to terms with using that. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, doing these fun things with the cane and having the cane, you know, give you that friendliness, I probably would have went for it. Again, like it really is there to help you. Know, I guess I've come to the, the thing that helped me realize, okay, this is great. Because I ended up doing a checks and balance of, okay, how embarrassing would it be if I genuinely walked into something versus how embarrassed was I at the time mm-hmm. to use a cane? I realized, you know what? It's actually better for me to just use this cane and not go through potential, you know, hours of pain and trauma from walking into something or off a loading dock even. I mean, again, that's something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at the time, once you get over that and you go, okay, the benefits outweigh my perceived cons of being visually impaired. You begin to realize, wait a second, people are extremely receptive. Like they see you walking with a cane and even like something like a wee walk where it's cool. It looks a bit different. Like what yes. does that do? Does it talk to you? Damn, that's, that's a cool thing, right? And over time, you begin to realize, hey, I mean, not only has this stopped me and, and sort of reduced, it's no longer just a checks and balance of, oh, will this stop me from walking into a pole? But people are genuinely interested in my product. I'm, yep. I'm now using this. I'm enjoying using this. I've accepted it. And it's also, in a way, helped me cope with my visual impairment. And I guess, again, going back to the point, that parallel process of not just accepting that, hey, look, it's just a risk of me not walking into a pole, but transitioning from a oh, I actually want to use this. I enjoy this. This is helping me do things correctly instead of preventing me from doing things incorrectly. That's when the magic happens. Funnily enough, to get a bit geeky about this, there's a real phenomena that they use in transport safety called safety one versus safety two, where in safety one, like safety one is the least recommended version. People are in a mood to safety two, where safety one goes, oh, there was an accident. We've got to find out what's gone wrong. Who's to blame? You know, It's a very sort of reactive, negative approach to a situation. Whereas safety two is going, oh, what have we done right? And let's keep doing more of the stuff that we do right. Right. It's almost like instead of, it's almost like watering your flowers and, and cutting your weeds here. And that's the same thing with something like we walk where instead of always worrying about what's going to go wrong, is this going to stop me from bumping into a pole? You move to that safety too, where you go, this is helping me do a lot of things right. This has helped me make a lot of journeys I've never made before. It's made me enjoy my journey a lot more. And naturally, obstacle avoidance and all the safety risks get mitigated without you having to think about it, without thinking about the negative connotations of using a device like WeWalk and having a visual impairment. So somewhat philosophical way of looking at things, but it's, it's interesting how this correlates with human psychology, not just in visual impairment, but across things like the transport sector and how people are now dealing with sort of relatively new technologies like this. Absolutely. The things that go right and do more of them instead of looking at the things that go wrong <laughs> and constantly worrying about not doing them. Which is yeah, an interesting way of looking at things. Yeah, and then you kind of wonder, like, when you're not using your cane, you wonder, what do people think of me? <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. going to walk into a pole and they're going to think you're, you know, well, why'd you do that? Up or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> this guy really loves poles. What is this? Right? Just walking into them. Like, well, why? Why? Yeah. I agree. It's, it's as you said, it, it almost becomes more embarrassing to not have a cane. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to accidentally push you off the bus because I didn't see you. I'm not rude. I just genuinely didn't see you. But how do you even explain that? Yeah, it's just it's, hard, it's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to explain. I mean, when I was in high school, I really didn't want to use it either. Because in high school, you trip someone and the first thing you're going to do is come up swinging. But it worked out. I made it through. I never actually tripped anybody. So let's talk a little bit. We talked about the past and canes and things like that. So let's talk about we walk in the future. Great. Thanks, Chris. So one of the things that I really enjoy listening to is how users use their WeWalk smart canes in everyday scenarios. 
There's actually a user from the US and the way that she uses her WeWalk app is there's a save location function located in WeWalk where you can save your current location. And what she does is she walks around different park areas and she likes to take breaks in between at her favorite benches. So what she'll do is she'll walk around and when she finds a bench that she wants to sit at, have lunch at, she'll save that particular location and then she'll save it under her My Places. And when she wants to be able to trace her way back to that specific point, she'll just simply pull it up from her My Places section in her WeWalk, which is pretty much a favorites or a bookmarks for your WeWalk app so that you can easily get to those locations. And then she'll be able to almost breadcrumb or trace her way back to that particular bench that she enjoys going to. So I thought that was a very creative way of being able to use one of the features that we've built into the app. Or sometimes our users will say revolving doors are sometimes paying for me to enter. So what I'll sometimes do is I'll use my ultrasonic sensor to be able to detect when it's safe for me to go inside a revolving door. So if someone faces their smart cane towards a revolving door, whenever they feel it vibrate, they know at that point it's not safe for them to enter. And then once it stops vibrating, they know at that point they can safely enter that revolving door. So it's these creative uses of the technology that we've built for the visually impaired community that I enjoy listening to. And just, I wanted to share those tips with anyone out there who may own a cane or may potentially want to own a cane in the future. I never thought of using the obstacle detection for revolving doors. That's pretty cool because personally, I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a fun. Elevators too, they can work for the same scenario as well. Just point it towards the elevator, same thing. If you feel the vibration, you know, at that point, elevator door is closed. When it opens up, the vibration will stop to let you know you can go in. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, the nice thing is as well about how we've created WeWalk is we have almost two tracks within the organization, which is one that takes an existing user feedback right now and makes tangible changes to the product on a short-term basis. So if you've got the WeWalk cane, basically, you get app updates, you get new features like multimodal transport, which we rolled out last year, you know, the first ever multimodal navigation experience in a visually impaired app. So bus and train timetables and actually guiding you step-by-step through that journey. So we have those updates that come into existing and future users, but then we're also building the future company vision. So our vision is how do we address mobility challenges? How do we, you know, solve things that we just can't solve with existing technology, like the last mile problem, finding the right doorway from a postcode or an address, you know, detecting the right bus beyond just GPS. And so that's why while we're working hard on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis to roll out new features, we're also looking at developing the next big thing, really. So that's why we partnered up with organizations like Microsoft, who we've been working with for several years now, and we're using WeWalk's built-in sensors which we typically used for battery saving, get this. And now we're using it to detect mobility behaviors to feed back to orientation and mobility specialists, looking at things like walking speeds, cane angles, which can be a factor within posture, almost using those sensors, which we were again first using just to save battery as a way to now better inform healthcare and better inform orientation and mobility training. And in the end, better deliver intervention to the user to help them better understand their mobility and to make sure that their O&M trainers or healthcare providers or occupational therapists or what may be have better information to act on. I've said better a lot of times there, but, but there we go. It really is sort of, you know, something which you're trying to do. Improve availability of data with sensors that have never been in the place where they are today, which is built into a visually impaired person's cane. 
But of course, moving forward, we've partnered with organizations like Imperial College and the RNIB, who have been tremendous here in the UK. The RNIB, you know, having over 150 years of experience from making the TV to the internet accessible for visually impaired people. Being a project partner and having them on board to fine tweak our navigation, as well as to work on our next navigation systems like indoor navigation and so forth. You know, that's a big thing for us. So whilst we walk evolves on a day-to-day through things like breadcrumbing features and, and street names and all that, we're still committed to really pushing forward with the bigger mobility challenges and integrating the WeWalk users of today, if you'd like, into these novel ways of navigating in future. So it's an exciting path ahead. So we're definitely not standing still with product development. It's not just you know maintaining the current product, but it's also looking at how can we use this product, this platform of a smartphone and a smart cane-based application to really deliver new features that we never thought we could deliver with a platform like this before. Yes. We all look forward to the innovations and the future of technology. And I think that indoor navigation is the next navigation aspect to conquer. And I can't wait to see how that's going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, we're excited for the future ahead. Every day is a building block. Like it's forward progress. We add more features. We take in the insights of the community. It's just a pleasure. It really is. We're really excited and happy that you guys have the WeWalk as well, because I'm sure you see a lot of assistive tech coming to your table and you have a breadth of knowledge in the assistive tech and the navigation field. So being able to listen to yours and Kim's thoughts on what you think of the WeWalk and any suggestions you have, it's going to be very valuable for us as well. I mean, I know you're very well versed with navigation as well, based on your background, Chris, and the suggestions that you've been sharing with us will help us build a better product for the visually impaired community. So I know the team is very excited to hear more of your thoughts as well. Anything that you share with us, again, just get shared directly with people like John Mark and our product manager, Masood, and the rest of the team as well. So I'm excited to hear more of your thoughts on it as you continue to use it as well. And one thing I should also mention is as a gift to the podcast listeners as well, we have a special 20% off promotional code as well. So if anyone is listening and is interested in purchasing one, if you go to our website and just type in the coupon code Mystic Access, you'll be able to purchase the WeWalk Smart Cane at a 20% discount. And that's good through the end of June. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for having us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And one thing we have to do is you mentioned the website. Nobody knows where to go. So where is that? Yes, very good point. So you can get a WeWalk Smart Cane at www.wewalk.io. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to the future. Thank you very, very much for having us again there, Chris and Kim. Again, it's been a pleasure, and we're glad that we got to talk about not just WeWalk, but the design intent. We'd like to thank the Mystic Access team, Chris and Kim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing John, Mark, and I to be able to share information about WeWalk on your show, and we look forward to speaking with you more. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having us on board. You're very welcome. Thank you for your visit to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. You're welcome anytime. So we hope you've enjoyed that segment. And don't forget, if you go to the WeWalk website and enter the code Mystic Access between now and the end of the month, June 30th, you can save a whopping 20% on your own WeWalk cane. By the way, if you didn't catch our podcast on the WeWalk, I will link to it in the show notes. But you want to look for the episode called Don't Let Go. And you can learn lots more about the WeWalk. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Now, I'm about to go get lost or 
check my email. I haven't figured out which <laughs> which one, one you want to do yet. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> bye. So, bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.